Hello, friends. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Unfriend Me. Did you know you can support this show and the creators who make it, that being me and Justin? That's right, you can. Head on over to patreon.com slash unfriend me today. Hey, fat cat. Keep smoking your fat cigars and sitting in your fat leather chairs counting your fat stacks of money while the rest of us break our backs, you ghoul. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, how about you pay your dues like I had to and get what you can and learn how to make something of yourself, you big freeloading hippie? Oh, yeah? Well, if you don't support a higher minimum wage, then on hello everybody welcome back to unfriend me slightly delayed two days later never a dollar short ah that's a good thing to say for today's topic which we'll get to in a minute never a dollar short uh, never. or maybe 15 dollars short per hour who knows uh but hi and welcome back it is unfriend me at uh, frogpants.com slash unfriend me. Uh, thank you, everybody, for being here. Lots of nice live folks in the chat room today. And, uh, of course, myself, Scott Johnson, and Justin Robert Young. <sighs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's up? How's it going, man? It was a wrestler, kind of a wrestler intro I gave you there. I enjoyed it. That was uh, good. Yeah. good. You were in the crowd, too. Yeah. And I'm not much of a wrestling fan, so I just assumed that that Could went okay. Like Michael Buffer did that, like he would just do like his. Oh, let's get ready to rumble! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, isn't the deal? He got he uh, would sue people if they did that, right? Wasn't that his thing? If they yeah, him and his brother are apparently very litigious when mm. it comes to people stealing their catchphrases, uh, because his brother, his brother's catchphrase is "It's time." Really. It's yeah. time. I'm sorry, dude. Come at me with your freaking lawyer. That's stupid. That's a dumb he, thing. No, but he's the UFC guy. So uh, boxing has Michael and UFC has Bruce. They're brothers? They're brothers. I had no Bruce idea. Buffer and Michael Buffer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, trademarking names since time and memoriam. Hey, we're back, everybody. And uh, this week we're talking about minimum wage. But Justin, before we do that, we should probably take yeah. a look back at pornography pornography cam wrote i'm a homosexual male in australia mm. porn it help it confirmed to me that i was definitely attracted to men how to use condoms properly importance of sexual health tests finding out what goes where what the hell i was gonna do and most importantly what i was and wasn't interested in i watched porn when i was about 13 and it helped educate me in all these things where adults around me couldn't it was helpful while living in a society that rarely discusses sex appropriately. As a 30-plus-year-old adult, I barely used porn because I couldn't care and have no free time. Other than all that, it's uh, like any form of entertainment. If you can't control yourself and you use it too much, it is no good for you. Is it really like any form of entertainment, though? I mean, can we really say that? Because it's not really like any form of entertainment, is it? Are, why? Wait, why? I don't know. Because it's people doing it. It's different. Like, Ooh, listen. Oh, other, so dirty. So dirty. No, what I mean, I'm not making a moral judgment here. What I'm saying is you, you, there are other uh, forms of entertainment that you could say, um, uh, let's say the movie Dumbo 
the whole family can go. You bring your little kids and your grandparents and everyone in between. A porno at the local uh, porn place is not a thing you would bring that crowd to. So it's not the same kind of entertainment. It was Pulp Fiction. Right. Neither is is another kind of movie. Exactly. Another kind of entertainment. I'm saying I don't think you just lump it together and go, it's like any form of entertainment. No, not really. No, he didn't say a form of entertainment for everyone. He said that like <laughs> any form of entertainment, like video games and, and, and all that. And by the way, did you see Rudy Giuliani's comments about Stormy Daniels last night? No, I missed that. What did he say? He said that she has no reputation and and uh, she is not a classy person because of the business she was in. Really? And that, that's the, the argument that you are making. You agree with Rudy Giuliani? Oh, no, I don't. Oh, my gosh. Let's not make that leap. I do not agree with that at all. I don't think there's any reason to, to have that kind of judgment. This is, this is a form of entertainment that's that's looked down upon, that, that you, you know, it's not like any other form of entertainment. It, it's, it's different. It's a scarlet letter. No, it's different in that the same way that, I don't know, let's use your pulp, exa- pulp, pulp example, your Pulp Fiction example. It's the same way that Pulp Fiction and Finding Nemo are different kinds of entertainment. They're different. Yes, but they are both forms of entertainment, you can agree, right? Yes, but yes. They're both, and that's, yes. that's the only argument that he's making. If that's, that what, Cam is, if that's what Cam means, then, then I'd take it all back, because then that's true, I guess, on some basic level. I guess it's all entertainment at one point or another. He was making the argument that porn, it's a family-friendly way to entertain the kids. <laughs> No, no. Load up, load up your three-year-old's uh, Amazon Fire, uh, and, but without sparkle and shine, and with hardcore pornography. Well, it could, sparkle and shine is a pretty good porn name, honestly. Uh, we got an email from somebody before I get to the one that's in our actual notes. I just wanted to at least mention it. It's a little long, so I'm not going to read it in detail, but we got an email from, because we kind of put it out there saying, man, we'd love to hear from somebody who actually works in this business, who sees it day to day, like, what's this like? We got an email from either George or Jorge. I don't know which it is because I didn't ask uh, uh, for clarification. But he is on set for these productions all the time. And all kinds of enlightening information about pay scale and how long it takes and preparation and what happens after and how much sort of humor and self-effacing stuff happens on set. And uh, kind of just describe the business and the day-to-day of it, which... I was really hoping somebody would do, and it's super interesting. So uh, anyway, I just wanted to thank him for that. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting to me. Did that did that change your thought process any in in reading the kind of mundanity of how the sausage gets made? No, in fact, it confirms something I've always believed, which is the 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 fact that it is just a business making a thing with goals uh, that are like any other business, except you know theirs is to 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 aim for a specific uh, you know audience and target and all the things they have to do um that it is just that and that's my one of my biggest problems with porn and you could levy this against video games you could say this against other kinds of movies um it's the people who are consuming it don't think of this stuff like they don't think about the fact that these are just people doing a job they think that pizza guy is really into that housewife do you know what i mean so it's like this mirage kind of thing, but so is everything else. Um, you know, everyone's yeah. everyone's playing a, playing out a fantasy in some video game or whatever. This was just like nice mundane com- uh, uh, confirmation that that was already the case. So it's not that, that I. Does, 
weird. It, it seems weird that you are getting inside of other people's heads. I know. I don't like it in there. They're scary, and I don't like other people's heads. Got to get out of them. Got to get my own head. <laughs> well, uh, I we, mean, that's the thing. That's the weird thing is that very often when we find ourselves in other people's heads, we realize it looks a lot like our own. That is true. Got an email from Anonymous who says, Firstly, I've heard enough horror stories from the retired actresses about how miserable they were and the rampant drug use in the industry that I exclusive, uh, exclusively stick to homemade content. Uh, it feels more ethical to follow a married couple making videos together or a lone girl in her bedroom than anything with a studio involved. And secondly, I no longer view porn as entertainment, but rather as a vice. One day I realized I was looking forward to my girlfriend getting ready for work because it meant that porn time was coming, no pun intended. Uh, that and noticing how much time per day was spent with Pornhub open, uh, open led me to heavily moderate my viewing time. However, I have had to similarly moderate other screen-based activities, including Netflix, Reddit, and Steam. So there you go. I think I, I, I that that guy's perspective, like everything he said, I think is probably best example of most everybody. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Like in, ter in terms of understanding your own behavior and and trying to get the most out of your relationships and the life around you, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. there's this isn't him digging in, going take the, my porn from my cold dead hands, and this is also not him going, it's going to destroy the future of humanity. It's him saying, yeah, I was overdoing it, and uh, so I had to cut back, and so I did, and yeah, yeah, I think it's good. That's a the, the only thing. thing I would say about the homemade girl in her college dorm room, yeah. uh, there is a place in Vegas. If you, God, there used to be a billboard, and I forget what it said, yeah. but it was there for the longest time. That was like, need money, call this number, yeah. right? Yeah. It was cam sex thing. So now in Vegas, they have built this entire office complex, right, where these girls come in and they will do their cam shows, but they're all decorated like a dorm room or like a typical teenage girls uh, kind of thing. And on one hand, it's obviously an artifice, right? They are selling a fantasy. Right. Or two, it's probably, I was thinking about it, it's probably a practical benefit for these girls because they don't want to accidentally show some doxable information of themselves because they're in their bedroom. And our next thing, you know, you, you, you might have some, creepazoid on your on your sex totally you know? agree i uh I, but it, what's what's well there's two messages there one yes everything you, i think you just said is true um and i and i sort of admired the efficiency of that and i hope those girls are being treated well and fairly and they get to kind of control their own destiny and all that in this age of everyone controlling their own content i think that would be good um the the only downside i can think of is guys like this think he's being more ethical quote-unquote ethical in his head because he's seeing somebody in their dorm room or in their bedroom but that may be just artifice as well i guess what i'm saying is there's a lot of artifice involved in all of this well yeah i, I think his his point was in hearing interviews of of women that have been part of a studio system where you know it's like any other studio system and, and look at harvey weinstein right sure there are people that need to be pleased and there's gatekeepers that need to open the gate for you and I can only imagine in a highly sexualized workforce that some of the demands might be even quicker to happen uh, than they were in Hollywood, which is already a sexualized workforce. Yep. All right, here we got we got we to bust through these. Jesse writes, the issue I have with porn has more to do with sexual bonding in your brain chemistry. All of the uh, all of a sudden, all the brain chemicals like dopamine, oxytocin and neoreferine, serotonin, etc., 
are being released, which they normally do to help you bond with your partner. It can make bonding with actual people much more difficult. I've met a lot of people now who had issues with porn before marriage, and when they got married, it caused such a huge rift. Mm. Uh, I would I would disagree here. Uh, in my re- research on oxytocin, uh, certainly you are bonding with people, but I don't think that it is a finite thing. Uh, people use oxytocin in many, many different settings, and it doesn't, uh, you get an oxytocin from massaging. doesn't mean that, you know, that that's something that uh, affects your ability to bond with your family or your partner. So mm. uh, I, I, I take your point, uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I would disagree. But the idea where he's right is there are huge rifts in marriages because of porn being a, a key point of it. Not that porn porn is the exact cause of it or that any of that. I'm just saying talk to any psychologist, anybody working with family psychology, working with marriage counseling. That thing is a huge point of, of focus right now. Now, what the- I would I would I and I told you I totally agree. And I'm sure it has gotten to be more of a thing now that it's easier to access it than ever. Uh, I would also say I would take a wild guess and, and just say that these lead to other larger issues. And, and porn is cited so frequently because it is the big sore thumb. It's the thing that you can point at and say, this is the problem. Yeah. It's also a great escape without actually having to snort Coke or whatever for a lot of people. Not speaking for myself. <laughs> Not for me. I just <laughs> snort Coke. <laughs> Mr. F wrote in. That's ironic. Uh, says Justin is uh, not taking seriously a thing that can that can ruin lives, and he says my own in parentheses. We age check booze, gambling, and video games. Shouldn't we do that with porn? A little button says uh, just let me in, and I'm 18 is a joke, and I I agree that thing's dumb. Like I'm over 13 on Steam is the stupidest thing ever. I hate it. Anyway, I've uh, been addicted for a long time, and that led to illegal activities. I don't think banning is the answer, but I think acting like it's no big deal is naive. Maybe uh, if it was so damn easy to get uh, get to as a six-year-old, I wouldn't have had such issues later in life. Maybe not, uh, or sorry, maybe not, but at least it wouldn't have been something I stumbled upon not looking for it. The availability right now would be like uh, if I could wander into a 7-Eleven instead of getting a Dr. Pepper. I just got cocaine accidentally before I really knew what I was consuming. Um, yeah. I mean... It is a little weird, right? We have age limits for, not age limits. Yeah, we have age limits for supposedly so kids can see whether or not they can see rated R movies. You got to be under 17. It's usually like a, sometimes it's a theater position. Sometimes it's just a generally accepted rule. But then there are actual laws on other things like cigarettes, alcohol, and that sort of thing. With porn, you just be whoever. Just click, I'm in. Well, like, but, but like a, you said, how, how else are we going to do it online? Well, yeah. What do you mean? Should we be taking a picture of our driver's license and sending it in? No, like, this is, I mean, this is a whole separate issue. Like, because by the way, they do that for weed out here. Right. There, there's a, a friend told me there's a weed delivery service that you can sign up online and you just send a picture of your driver's license and, and now you're okay. So that is something that doesn't include a, uh, you know, just, oh, am I over 18? Click yes. Like they have to take an extra step to do it. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm for doing that. I and Mr. F, believe you me, I am not trying to take uh, addiction not seriously. I come from a both of my father figures have been to rehab for different addictions that were over the counter stuff. Uh, one of them was for alcohol and the other was for gambling. Uh, this is something that I have dealt with my entire life. And so my point 
is not to say that these things are not debilitating or or that they don't ruin lives and ruin marriages and ruin relationships with children. Thankfully, one of my father figures, the gambling one, I'm still in touch with, but it ruined alcohol, ruined my relationship with my biological father to the point where we don't talk. Mm. So uh, my, my point is not to say that eh, it's no big deal. It's just that I am very much of the belief that personal responsibility is the key here. Mm. And I saw similar, if not identical behavior from both of these people, not because they were doing the same thing and not because I think it would be better if they weren't able to, I mean, number one, gambling is illegal. It turns out they found a way to do it. Uh, it's, it's that this is about personal responsibility. It this is. is you taking control of your own life. Right. And, and that to me is, but you can say that to a drug addict and say, hey, guy who's full of morphine and can't control himself and is so far gone into addiction that you you kind of could argue medically he's not in control of his own life anymore. At what point do you just at what point do you go? I mean, you don't just look at him and go, buck up and take some responsibility and walk away. Like there's more to it than that. Uh, certainly, but uh, any rehab program is about getting you to the point of understanding that you control your own destiny. Yeah, that's the whole point of it. The point where you are understanding that there are incremental steps that you can take. And I'm not one to tell you that there's no, that's not hard. Like, but that is, unfortunately, it's like, how do I lose weight? Consume less calories than you're exerting, (laughs) right? And there's a million different ways that you can talk about it. There's a million different ways you can slice it, but that's, ultimately what it is right yeah and no matter how different that you go around it addiction is about personal responsibility and um, that's not to denigrate how hard a road it can be but that's that's it there's no magic pill there's no switch that flips in your brain right yeah fair enough anonymous wrote in says oh this is you read this this is for you oh anonymous Super short story for you. A coworker of mine had a rather unfortunate run in with a porn star a few years back, or with porn a few years back. He was hard up for money and decided to try out for this porn gig where he could make some extra cash. He had to pay $5,000 up front to shoot the scene, and he was promised at least $10,000 or more as a return on investment. Oh, my God. This poor <laughs> sucker. The day of the shoot involved five dudes all doing the same scene in the same way with the same girl, and his return on investment came in the form of 100 DVDs being dropped to his doorstep, to which he was personally responsible for selling to make back his money. His wife didn't know, so he ended up hiding them under his bed and not trying to sell any of them. (laughs) So he got taken for $5,000 to be male talent in a porn star, in a porn movie. Oh my God! Yeah, I don't, right, I don't, I don't mean to laugh at him, but I'm sorry. It's kind of funny. No, you're a sucker. You should. You're the. You're the reason why people get chalk drawn on their back walking into a carnival. That is never, <laughs> ever, ever pay five thousand dollars up front for something that people get paid thousands of dollars to do. Yeah, like is a bad, bad, bad. Yeah, move. bad scene. Uh, guys, remember to write short emails. I'm going to edit them. This segment has already gone too long. I'm. We're going to have people complain that we talk too much about this so please 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 go ahead and write in unfriend me show at gmail.com all right lay it on me let's talk about the minimum wage a hot topic in this country people want to raise it people want to lower it people don't want one at all let the free market decide some people say the free market sucks and it won't work uh who will think of the the workers who need our help 
So, Justin, we probably should educate ourselves. What the hell is the minimum wage? As always, Scott, we start with a definition. The, the minimum wage in the United States is set by U.S. labor law and a range of state and local laws. Employers generally have to pay workers the highest minimum wage prescribed by federal, state, or local law. Since July 24, 2009, the federal government has mandated a nationwide minimum wage of $7.25 per hour. As of January 2018, there were 29 states with a minimum wage higher than the federal minimum wage from 2017 to 2018. Eight states increased their minimum wage levels through automatic adjustments, while increases in 11 states occurred throughout referendum or legislative action. Washington has the highest state minimum wage with 11.50 an hour. That's the highest statewide. I would yeah. have thought that would. Yeah, that's the highest in the nation. The highest in the nation is 11.50 an hour. Okay. And there's a lot of push. I see the number 15 a lot. We'll probably get to we that. We will get to that in a second. Yeah. That is that is a huge, huge, huge thing. Yeah. The first successful attempts at a minimum wage law was, uh, to ameliorate the problem of non-living wages occurred in the Australian state of Victoria in 1860, uh, sorry, 1896. Factory inspector reports and newspaper reporting on the conditions of sweated labor in Melbourne, Victoria, led to the 1895 to the formation of the Anti-Sweating League. <laughs> the government aggressively to deal legislatively with the problem of substandard wages. The Sweating League. This also in the United States came to uh, be in 1933 with the New Deal. It went through back and forth of uh, legal challenges before eventually becoming law in, I believe, 1938. That is correct, I believe. Is the uniform rate of... 25 cents an hour that would be four dollars and 78 cents in today's money give or take which i would say was them shooting low like that's a political decision in my opinion to push through legislation that mandated a minimum wage at that level at which would be four bucks today is a laughable level of money now maybe not in post-depression era it's not or mid-depression but it seems really low. So that's interesting to me. They had, I'll bet, Roosevelt and his administration had to make all kinds of concessions uh, to make this work. And part of that was a very low minimum wage. Well, I mean, they were also coming out of a depression. Yeah. So that's like, a big deal. Yeah. Business, growing business, I'm sure, was a priority. Uh, all right. Arguments against minimum wage. Proposed minimum wages are almost always arbitrary. And based and not based on sound economic analyst or analysis. Why is it 10, 10 an hour and not nine ten an hour? Why fifteen and not sixteen? A uniform federal minimum wage may be suboptimal for many states, and uniform state minimum wages may be suboptimal for many cities. A one size fits all approach to a minimum wage is really a one size fits none. Minimum wage laws require any. Uh, feel free to stop me on any of these, and otherwise I'll just read. Yeah, that's fine. All one sentence arguments. Minimum wage laws require costly taxpayer-funded monitoring and enforcement mechanisms where market wages do not. That comes for free. Uh, minimum wage laws discriminate against unskilled workers in favor of skilled workers, and the greatest amount of discrimination takes place against minority groups. Adjustments to total compensation following minimum wage laws will disadvantage workers in the form of reduced hours, reduced fringe benefits, and reduced on-the-job training. Any Unskilled workers will be unable to find work and will be denied valuable on-the-job training, an opportunity to acquire experience and skills. 
Minimum wage laws prevent mutually advantageous voluntary labor, labor agreements between employers and employees from taking place. To the extent that higher minimum wages result in lower firm profits and higher retail profits or prices, that's a form of legal plunder by workers from employers and uh, consumers that is objectionable. Mm. And market-determined wages are efficient, whereas government-mandated wages create distortions in labor markets and prevent labor markets from clearing. And finally, like all government price controls, minimum wage laws are distor- uh, distortionary. If you trust government officials and politicians to legislate and enforce a minimum wage for unskilled workers, you should logically trust those same bureaucrats to set all prices, wages, and interest rates in the economy. Realistically, if you agree that these economy-wide price controls would be so undesirable, then you should also agree that the minimum wage law is also undesirable. Okay, a couple things. A couple things. A A I or AEI.org's uh use of this particular sentence, which you you altered and I think rightly, but it says minimum wage law discriminates against uh unskilled workers in favor of skilled workers, and the greatest amount of discrimination takes place against minority groups. And they put you stop there. They put comma like blacks. Yes. Th- thanks, AEI.org. We appreciate the clarification. I I'm annoyed by that line. Okay, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh <laughs> You've given the argument against it, right? Yes. What, uh, a lot of it I agree with. I like I like free market. I'm a big fan of letting free markets do things. Um, I also think that free markets have to have some watchful eye on them because sometimes they cheat and do terrible things. But what is so wrong? I would ask the question rhetorically, and we can get to it later. But what is so wrong about having a bare minimum, at least a place where you're just you're guaranteed that. So if you're in a small town and some guy's like, ah, nobody knows what's going on in this small town, come work for me for two bucks an hour. Well, that doesn't seem very fair. It doesn't matter. Free market. Bah. Like, that sucks. He should get a minimum amount of money, I think. So I'm of two minds. Bare minimum sounds like a good idea. Fluctuating depending on where you live and what state you're in. I know that those things all matter. You know, it costs more money to live in California. It costs more money to live in New York. Less money to live in the Midwest. So I, I know that's more complicated than that. I just feel like a bare minimum is important because these are people, not just markets, not just bottom lines. They're people who need to figure out a way to move up. They can't move up. They don't have anything. And if they don't have enough to do something, they should have something. So there's Scott interjecting before you give me the pros. Give me the pros. Uh, well, no, 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 no. We can, we can debate. We can, we, let, let, let's, let, let, let's debate the cons first. Right? All right. So the argument there would be, okay, everybody should have something. What's something? Yeah. A living wage. What's a living wage? Uh, One that you can live on. So every job should provide you a living (laughs) wage. Because that's what a minimum wage is. A minimum wage is for every job. I know. This is where we get in trouble when you get to definitions. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that's when we're talking about federal legislation. You you should probably think through some of these things. Yeah, no, no. Right? Details are important, and I agree with that. I'm just saying, the idea of it, I think, is a is a right and good one. The implementation of it is near impossible. So that's why I say. I'm well, with- so, so the number one, we do have a federal minimum wage, as we pointed out. It is seven dollars and twenty five cents an hour. Yeah. Uh, did you ever have a job oh, that yeah. was under the table? Oh yeah. Yeah, I worked for this, uh, what was it called? I don't remember the name of it. It was like a little mom and pop kind of restauranty place in high school. And because you were a high school student, 
I can't remember what the deal was, but like minimum wage at that time was like five bucks or something. Sure. But because you were in there before 18, there was some loophole or some weird thing they could do. And I don't remember why they did it or it could have been complete bullcrap and, and, and we just bought it. But they were somehow able to get us to only get paid two fifty an hour. And we weren't there, there wasn't tips or anything like that where, where we worked. We were yeah. in the kitchen. So we got paid half of what was minimum wage at the time. Uh, you know, it was a decent place to work if you were a kid trying to finish high school and whatever, and you worked there, but it was always real fishy. I never knew how they kind of got away with that. Um, there was other stuff weird going on there. So, you know, there's a lot I of factors. They were doing it illegally. <laughs> I mean, they, they were, they just, they made it sound like it wasn't. Yeah. And we were dumb kids and they, we don't know. And they didn't tell us any different. And for whatever reason, my parents, you know, my parents and other kids' parents, they weren't really involved in this process. We just went, applied, got the job, did the job, got paid, quit the job, went somewhere else. Like it wasn't, it was kind of a self-contained thing. So nobody was really checking on this. Nobody was really following through to see if legality was being followed to the T or not, or even roughly being followed. I don't think it was being followed. I think they were just straight up like skirting the law as best I can tell. (laughs) So, So yes, I did work there. Uh, did you find that job to be helpful in your um, life? You thankful to have it. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd be lying if I didn't say that. I mean, I did. I, well, I mean, at the time that I had it, it was enough to sort of, you know, pay for gas and stuff that I needed to do when you're 16. Um, you know, we didn't have cell phone bills to pay for. Like, there's a lot of things that you'd maybe have as a as a as a teenager now that you'd be paying for that you wouldn't otherwise. But I had yeah. this crappy $200 car I bought from a friend named Juan. <laughs> I had all kinds of really, you know, uh, cheap ways of living. And the job did enough to make it so I could go see the movies with my friends and hang out at the arcade a little bit. Like, it wasn't it wasn't a lot of money, but it was enough to be okay. And I had a good time there. And I had friends there. And I liked the owner and all that stuff. So, it's not like it was a... It wasn't some sweatshop. Yeah. You know? I, I had a job. I had an under-the-table job. My first job in a restaurant, I was a busboy. Set a uh, pizza place around where I grew up in Davie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bosses uh, were, they hired me underage, and they paid under the table. Yeah. And it was great. <laughs> I liked having the money. I liked working. I liked uh, uh, being part of it. I understood very quickly that, bosses determine how much you get paid and you need to be very vocal about what you're getting paid or else they will find a reason to pay you less. Mm-hmm. And that was a very, very important lesson for me. Right. But that almost sounds like an argument for minimum wage though. Doesn't it? A little bit. Cause they'll pay you as little as they can. Sure. Well, I mean, I think it, that's a ethical question and it's one that I think is measured against Running a business. Yeah. Like, how many employees do you have of Frog Pants LLC? Technically, I have, well, technically, there's four of us because we do some, we, the kids do some stuff and then Kim, but they're not full time employees. No, no. I'm it. I'm full time. It yeah. is a single, yeah. Yeah. And you might pay people, like, so that's contractor stuff. Sure. Right. Sure. Uh, would you like to have, Another, I mean, would, as as this business grows, we began talking about how your time and and effort is stretched, and you feel, uh, and you feel, you know, drained sometimes. Would you like to have another full time employee? I don't know the the idea of trading 
trading that for the headache that is running that is managing another human being <laughs> it may not be that great i'm i'm i just mean with all the foibles that that includes there's a reason people have complete hr departments because that's a pain in the butt to manage because people there is a certain scale right that you have to meet if you are going to give somebody a job right right and these are protections we would agree that they are you know they have good reasoning we are safeguarding but yet in a world where this could be cheaper and faster yeah you would have an employee yeah yeah i mean i can't i mean the benefits are huge that would be awesome uh it's the it's the headache of having to manage that i barely like managing myself i'm a terrible person to ask this of because if you ask any other smart business they'd be like Oh, yeah, we're going to bring two guys in for the warehouse. And uh, after that, we're bringing another sales guy in for the eastern cordon, uh, part of the, the country. Can't wait for that. Like that, that all sensible, smart business okay. stuff. But also, that's there are far more me and yous who don't think like that, who are like, oh, I don't know. Like, maybe <laughs> uh, I can't build a business. Everybody will decide they hate me tomorrow. <laughs> like, and then I'll have to fire somebody. And then they'll definitely hate me. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot more me and yous than there are. All right, yeah. See, I don't know why we're making the thing, <laughs> but like, like I, as soon as the railroad goes down to Abilene, see, like we'll uh, add another thirty bodies. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that guy. There's lots of those guys. I'm not that guy. So it's those guys though that uh, we worry about because they're the ones that are, you know, the money's everything and the people are secondary, and I'm the opposite of that. So I just, I would be, I would be a bad, uh, bad is business it, is person. Is the money being everything, or is it? jobs right everybody wants a job everybody wants to get paid everybody wants to to live like you need to have i'll bet you right now how many people do we go watch this about 100 people yeah if you put out right now if you tweeted right now i'm looking to hire a full-time position for frog pants yeah you know how many people it would be a dream they would say this is the beginning of the rest of my life it would be my <laughs> dream job to work with you yeah yeah, no, that would happen probably. I mean, I put so out do stuff. Do we want more of that, or do we want less of that? I well, I mean, in the right hands, it makes perfect sense. What I'm saying well, is, I can't make this about me because <laughs> I'm a bad example of this. I'm a terrible I'm example. That I'm, is that you are the example that matters? <laughs> like the, for specifically for minimum wage stuff. Like to be honest with you, like part of this is a joke, but part of it isn't. That like part of the, the uh, larger idea of federal incursion into this kind of economics yeah. that it does suppress jobs right it suppresses people going further from it because i mean hell you got two steps into thinking about what it would take to bring on a full-time employee and you're like tap out <laughs> I'm not. yeah no i uh i mean i have yeah that, that, you're, make, you're making your point and i think you're making it well um I was really nervous coming into this topic today, more so than porn or anything else. Yeah. Because I'm a lousy economist, first of all. But second of all, um, I mean, I really am truly torn on the idea. Because on, on the one hand, I feel like a minimum wage is more based on ideals than it is on practicality. And I like good ideals. I like good I – like, I like standards that are intended – to yeah. to bear people up, to give opportunity, to provide chances they wouldn't already have. Like that's a thing I like, just from a fundamental sort of human standpoint. I think that's cool. 
But on a rubber meets the road kind of basis, I think it has a lot of problems. But because of my lack of uh, prowess in the areas of economics, I'm not, I don't think I'm very well spoken in this thing. So it's been a really weird, I've been going over in my head all week about it, actually. Just yeah. kind of back and forth. Because I also haven't had to think about it in a while. Right? Like it hasn't, it hasn't been a thing that's directed, directly affected me. And the reason it's coming up for me now is A, we're going to talk about it and it's interesting. Uh, B, it's also good to reflect on what I'm doing now and how that's different than how it used to be. And then also, I've got a kid who just graduated high school is ready to get out there and get a job and start saving for his first semester of college and all his other stuff he wants to do. And now I'm suddenly thinking about, oh, what are they going to pay him at the at the Potbelly sandwich place? Or what are they going to pay him at the movie theater? Or what are they going to pay him at the, you know, whatever, the grocery yeah. store, wherever he's going to get this job? So... So it's like weirdly back in the front, front and center of my of my focus. Where for years I haven't even thought about the minimum wage, let alone followed where it is or how much it is. So anyway, well, we have talked a lot about the POV of the business owner. Let's talk about the worker, the labor, the proletariat. You fat cats, you know, you have your own LLC. I'll bet you, Scott, with your own corporation, <laughs> just hoarding all the money for yourself. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me tell you a story about Pamela Waldron. She makes $7.75 an hour as a cashier at the KFC in Penn Station, New York City, where she's worked for eight years. That's just 50 cents above the New York State minimum wage. The 26-year-old nursing student and mother of two says she has asked for a raise, but her pleas have gone unheeded for weeks. Finally, on Thursday around lunchtime, she joined a protest of about 40 fast food workers who walked out of their shifts carrying placards and shouting slogans to bring attention for their cause of fighting for higher wages and the right to unionize. The protest was held outside of a Burger King near Penn Station. Quote, we're the ones who run the store day in and day out, and it's not easy, said Waldron. Early Thursday morning, 14 workers from a midtown Manhattan McDonald's uh, location also walked out of their shifts in protest, according to a community organization, New York Communities for Change. That was from a CNN article about the Fight for 15 movement. They, about their own cause, say that we are a movement of 300 cities on six continents. We are fast food workers, home health aides, child care teachers, uh, airport workers, adjunct professors, retail employees, and underpaid workers everywhere. McDonald's and low-wage employers everywhere are making billions of dollars in profit and pushing off costs onto taxpayers while leaving people like us, the people who do the real work, struggling to survive. We can't feed our families, we can't pay our bills, and even keep a roof over our heads on minimum wage pay. When we first took to the streets, skeptics called us dreamers. They said a $15 wage was unwinnable. We didn't listen. We organized. We fought for what we knew was right. We didn't win these increases because we uh, elected supportive politicians to office. We won them because we made them support us. That's the power of direct action, taking to the streets and organizing. <laughs> wow they're really uh they're into it so okay fight fight for 15 here's the problem i know this at a very fundamental level if i want to live in a free market society let's call it a capitalist society here's one thing that's always going to be true the executives and founders of big companies like mcdonald's like apple like whoever they're going to make the big money and there'll be a trickle-down process of manager-level stuff all the way down to the dude in the mailroom, and he's going to get paid a whole lot less. There is never going to be a way 
that you're going to have to demand or force a company like Apple, like Google, and say, all right, guys, uh, you're making billions a year. We would like you to take all of those billions, split it up evenly between all your employees. Boom, you're done. That's never going to happen. That's not the society we live in. Uh, we are the opposite of that. Should, should it be that? No, because that has implications across all sorts of other things. It's not just what people are getting paid. I don't so think it should be that. So you're for a permanent overclass. It that can be. Not, well, no, I'm not for this. Get under its boot heel. <laughs> I'm not for it. What I am is I'm being I'm trying to be realistic here. It's not going to happen unless they want it to happen and by they I mean the companies themselves. So if a company establishes itself as a big time profit share kind of culture and you're like, "All right, well, all of our profits are going to be split this direction into new business and into making the business run and then this other huge chunk that we would normally be packing away in banks and earning interest overseas or whatever we do with it or paying huge bonuses to our executives. We're going to take that and split that with all of you. But that is a company deciding to do a thing that I think would be right and great. Nothing wrong with it. It's a wonderful idea. I love that idea. It really makes you invest in the place you work. All that stuff's awesome. Yeah. But we can't mandate it. And if we start mandating it, then we get in trouble, man. Then we're in weird. Then we're in weird waters. Things get weird oh, yeah. when you God mandate. Forbid. God forbid we brought economic justice to everybody. <laughs> you know, like oh, then then we would really be in trouble, right? Yeah. Someone. God, God forbid everybody was able to afford their rent. Man. <laughs> I mean, the problem. The problem, Scott, with you capitalists, is that you are so even you, a person who can't even, uh, you know, bring on your own your own employee. You dream, you dream that you're only a temporary member of the middle class, that that you're going to you're going to one day be in this opulence. And it is it is that opiate that you keep yourself drugged up while your fellow man, your fellow uh, a member of the working class struggles and dies. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you've got all that right. That all sounds right. By the way, Justin, Justin is on permanent retainership with the devil as advocate. Just so everyone knows <laughs> how this works. Uh, we want to open up phone lines? Yeah, we should. Let's just get it done. Uh, don't forget, this is the number to write down and keep. 801-285-9395. It is on your screen right now, li uh, live people. 801-285-9395. And as usual, if you put that in your phone and then send a screenshot to uh, Justin on Twitter, Justin R. Young, he'll retweet it. I'll tweet it. Yeah. I love, I love, I love all the the, the unfriend me, uh, the unfriend me folks. I like it too, but I really want to hear your thoughts. There's got to be somebody listening who's maybe even at work right now, getting to a place where you can talk without getting in trouble or something. But I just, you know, how... Ryan, say you're going to take a poop and then call us. Yeah, uh, uh, if you are, if you are listening while you're in the back of a Wendy's. So don't forget uh, the monocle. You're right. You're right. I've been, I've been, uh, I've been, I've been playing devil's advocate this entire episode. Here's my, <laughs> here's my point. Yeah. Of of you on this. I am not against a minimum wage. I am against a more aggressive federal minimum wage because yeah. I do think that that takes uh, job opportunities that I think could benefit both the worker and the employer and fledgling uh, uh, work spaces or spaces that have high turnover, that, that do commit to hiring kids in high school, young kids, because if... They, they should get a discount <laughs> for for hiring very volatile uh, uh, folks. Yeah, unskilled, uneducated, not quite there yet. I totally get that. All right, hold that thought. Let's take this call real quick. Hi, who's who's this? 
Hey, it's Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan, what's uh, going on? All the way in New York. Did you go? Did you do? Have you been to Penn Station lately? Uh, I was there this morning. Oh, good. Did you have a KFC? KFC? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm also vegan. So oh, all right. All right. Oh, yeah. no. Although, by the way, apparently KFC next year is rolling out uh, vegan chicken. What? Yeah, still, still not. Still doesn't mitigate the fact that they kill a billion chickens. Well, that's true, but <laughs> that's a good topic, actually, for the future. If you kill a million chickens, but you offer a vegan menu we item. We did veganism, didn't we? <laughs> no, we did, but it's an interesting little anecdote. Because if you kill a billion chickens, but you offer a vegan option, it still yeah, makes no. you like not vegan. Like You're not vegan. You're just pandering is what you are. You're a pander vegan. Uh, you're, you're, you're just looking for an option when you're stuck in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> all right jonathan sorry your take on minimum wage and how this should work or shouldn't work all right well given that i live in a city where you know rent on average is twenty three hundred dollars a month yeah minimum um we have what i've experienced and and you know i'm not going to get into too many of the specifics relative to the industry that i work in but um you know uh i did run very large stores and a lot of in, in in a lot of for a lot of high-end companies and there are people here who um i've had you know review conversations with people where they will turn down an increase even if it's not minimum wage um because you have this glass ceiling wherein um if they rely on public housing because they can't afford private housing um and they can't afford the rents but the city is you know fundamentally needs to run on uh, a, a certain labor standard relative to minimum wage. And so people will turn down raises because it would put them over oh, uh, yeah. what would be acceptable with, within the public housing sector. Um, so I'm a huge proponent. And, you know, again, without getting into specifics, I've made it kind of one of my standard bearing things that I'm working towards in my current environment to be able to push the minimum wage into or the minimum wage, at least for the environment that I work in, or the you know the corporation that I work for, into a living wage, mm. um, and I think that that standard changes. And I've also seen the financials enough to realize that all of the th all of the arguments against um, raising the minimum wage fly in the face of the logic that's presented from how it improves productivity, happiness, reduces turnover, and things like that. So I think you know when you see people or or companies arguing against the minimum wage. It's, increasing it it's 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 complete bs interesting also i'm in my office right let now me, i'm in my me, office right now so sorry let, no it's all uh, good let me, let me just uh, thank you thank you so much for calling yeah you bet but ask one just general question yeah because i do think that we do need to we can reattach them but let's separate these two things for for one second with, without getting it intertwined number one i don't make enough money at my job to live mm -hmm. number two there needs to be a law mandating that I get paid enough money at my job to live. Mm. So we can put these together. I'm not saying that they're not the solution. I'm just saying that unions are a way that you can get paid more. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, vigorously arguing with your boss uh, is a way that you can get paid more. Now that there are perils to both of those, you know, there are, there are reasons why some companies resist unionization tremendously. But I think that any way that you can get paid more 
I'm for. However, let's also just understand that anything that is a law, therefore, it's something that you can get fined or go to jail if you don't do. That is another step, and it is a step further along. And and I always, whenever a lot of these arguments come up, I always feel like that is treated as the only way that this is solved. Right. Yeah, I don't, I mean, here's what I want. This is not what we get, but this is what I want. I want every company to pay their workers, regardless of where they're having them work, a living wage. And when they have special skills, like they... Uh, Nick. Nick Nick, getting his job at the Potbelly, he needs to get paid enough to have his own uh, uh, apartment. And Well, see, uh, this is where the devil in that details thing comes in again, because... Uh-huh. I know, right? Actually, and in that case, no. Like, maybe the way it would work, and again, this would have to be mandated, which is arguing against something I don't like, but... It's uh, maybe it's a <laughs> there's we have a chicken and egg problem because at what point should yeah. I say that? Yes, about Nick right now. He lives at home and that's cool. He just graduated high school. He's not, you know, he's in the day. It isn't like the day he graduated. Suddenly he's got an apartment and everything's all set. So so he's here still. And so for me, it'd be like if he came home and said, yeah, I got a, a job. It's uh, pays like seven bucks an hour. I go, oh, sweet, dude. Uh, what time are your hours? Let's get this guy. You know, like, it'd be great. I wouldn't even think about it. But. If he had an apartment and he was 25 and he was trying to do this, I'd say he would, I mean, I I don't know what he would be doing, but yeah, I'd want him to have more of a living wage. The problem is he wouldn't have the apartment first because you can't get that until you have the living wage. Like it's all, you know, there's all this, there's all this like chicken and egg stuff with this kind of whole argument. And it's really hard to have an answer for it. I mean, honestly. Why why are you against people uh, (laughs) getting owed? All right, well, let's look at, uh, we haven't brought it up, but there are, there's a lot of people who want a, um, what's it called? It's actually in the Expanse TV show, they do it. So, uh-huh. the, so the way Earth has worked out in that show and in those books is they've gotten to a point where everything's so automated. And we're heading here too, by the way. So much stuff is automated. We're getting to, to the point where we're going to have automated cars that have no drivers in them. Uh, which on the yeah. one hand saves you money you don't have to buy a car, but also it just changes you know, a job situation for people that drive cars for a living, including Uber drivers even, which is already a modern uh, thing. Uh, we're heading toward a place where so much automation happens that conceivably we could end up uh, in a time where we aren't needed for the things that we used to be needed for. And there'll still be so many of us that there just aren't enough jobs for that many people so what you do as a governing body is you say it's basically a minimum living wage or a, mi- a minimum. Yeah, I feel like this is its own. It this totally is. is. Own, it totally is. I, 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 we can touch on it. The universal basic income is, That's is the one. a concept in, in, in which you get paid X amount of money no matter what. The government just hits you off with, you know, uh, enough to, you know, theoretically at least subsidize if not pay for elements of your life because the job market is such that nobody needs to have a human to do something. And yet we want people to be able to spend money and keep the economy going. So the universal basic income is definitely an idea that has been put forth by a lot of very future thinking people. This is true. Let's see if this caller is a future thinker or not. Hi, you're on the air. 
Hi, this is Howard. Hello, Howard. Um, Hi, Howard. I, I'm not really uh, calling in to dig too deep into the debate. I just think that um, minimum wage is kind of part of a bigger picture that's more about whether you think the government is supposed to protect the weakest of its society or to get out of the way and let people sort of govern themselves. Hmm. I think that when you're, when you're talking about what people want out of a minimum wage and when they talk about wanting a living wage, they're talking about wanting the government to say, okay, businesses, when you live in a society, this is how we behave toward each other at a bare minimum level, mm-hmm. right? And so that means, yeah, you're paying the 16-year-old kid $15 an hour to work at McDonald's because the 40-year-old single mother needs to make $15 an hour working at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. She doesn't necessarily have the time to, you know, get herself educated, to pull herself up, get skilled, become a skilled laborer, to make more money. She has other responsibilities, uh, life circumstances possibly that interfere with that right so you pay the 16 year old kid who doesn't need that money just as much as you pay the you know the 40 year old single mom that absolutely needs that money so that you can protect the people that need to be protected even if there's benefit from you know for people that don't need to be protected right you know so then obviously the the other side of that is you live in a society the people in the society should be the ones standing up for each other. And that's where you sort of get into the vigorous debate. But I just, I, I thought it went deeper than what you guys have kind of hit on with. Well, they're just right. And that, why I think people need to make that money. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm, I'm having a hard time articulating this, but this does kind of go to what I was feeling. Um, I have a utopian ideal in my head of, as a nation or as a world, but let's just stick with the nation as a nation, since the debate's really raging here about minimum wage, we're only as strong and as good as our weakest links. In other words, how, do, how well do we take care of our poor? How well do we take care of those who are less fortunate? How well do we take care of those who are injured or hurt or otherwise can't, um, you know, be fully bodied or they're blind or whatever the thing is. And Unfortunately, those ideals sometimes clash with a history of ideals in this country that are all about competition, getting ahead of somebody else. Like whenever someone says get ahead, that's what they're saying. It's getting ahead of somebody else. Um, and that's a very different value system, right? That's a, that's, a cynical, that's a cynical way to look at it. Well, it is. Think about it. Getting ahead. What does it mean? What do you think it means? I mean, I know you and I may have a meaning of like, oh, I just need to get ahead and get ahead of, you know, you, and you can you can curve that into saying, well, I just need to get ahead of, of where I am now. But that still means getting ahead of somebody else. I mean, that's what it means. What else does it mean? No, <laughs> it means getting ahead of where, where you are. You want to progress. You want to go forward. Why does everything have to be zero sum? It doesn't. But my point is, we are culturally... That, 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 to be to be honest, that to me I think is a dangerous thought. 
Mm. When everybody assumes that a win for me means a loss for you, I think that's that's where we get into cynical grounds. Right. I, I agree. I, I'm and I'm trying to. I I agree with that. I'm trying to skirt that, and I'm not explaining myself very well. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, I wish it was less about. There are parts of me are like, well, without competition, there's no innovation. Without innovation, there's no, you know, like there's so many arguments against against what I'm about to say. Like I benefit directly from that competition that that is part of the backbone of our culture in America, certainly from a yeah. uh, economic stance. So, so for me to say this is almost not hypocritical, but it seems a little contradictive. But I do wish for a society that just cared more about other people and weren't so cynical to just assume that they're trying to suck at the man's teat or to not do anything and get paid for it or to just live off of welfare. This kind of attitude thing about social programs and and people, because people are so freaking complex. It's so much more than just lumping them into this category of lazy. I agree. I I agree. And really, if we're really going to drill down, uh, my biggest argument about a lot of these programs isn't that they don't help and isn't that they don't, uh, uh, they're not a, a, a valuable fabric of our society, but that we don't really care about them. Like we start them, we pass them, we fund them, and then we, you know, uh, vigorously uh, 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 defend these programs, even when they're insolvent right. or malfeasant, right. life with corruption. And it's like, wait, 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 no, no, no. If we're gonna do them, let's do them right. Like, to me, it is so asinine that we are not bound up, the people who care about social programs, and I do care about social programs, that we are not bound up in, like, let's audit these books as tightly as possible to make sure that these dollars are spent as efficiently as possible. Mm. But whenever anybody does that, it's attacking the program. Why do you hate the kids? Why do you hate the poor? It's like, no, to me, it's caring. Like, I don't want to pretend that a, a, a hole in the bucket is, is righteous because it's a cool bucket. <laughs> I like, <laughs> no, that's a good, I like it. It's the right, uh, the right metaphor used in the right way. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. This is where I, this is where my social liberalism and my fiscal conservatism meet and they go, all right, fellas, we're just asking for bring some of your, you know, fiscal responsibility and efficiency from over here, a little chunk of that, mush it into this really cool social idea about helping people and then be really vigorous about it like a company would, just really watch those books and really make sure the stuff's going where it's supposed to be and if it's not, uh then change something, be very transparent about it, make it so we're all getting to see what's going on. I'm oversimplifying, but, you know, when you get too in love with platforms, when you get too in love with programs, then bad things become systemic. Yeah. And I come from half a family of cops. A lot of those cops, some of those, uh, every cop I've ever talked to will tell you, if you are friends with a cop, about shitty cops, about awful cops. It's like any other job. There's some people that are just bad, right? But we get into this support your support police support this stuff that like there's obviously systemic problems in some police departments and we don't want to deal with it seriously because 
nobody we we get into this very unhelpful i'm for police i'm against police it's like okay cool well i'm glad everybody got their stickers uh uh, please go to the merch shop on your way out and get your i'm for or against things instead of saying all right there's a problem here obviously let's deal with it right yeah i agree well where are we on time yeah we're there we're at the hour no, don't argue in the chat room, Scott. No, I, yeah, I'm not arguing with him. The point is, uh, somebody, I don't want to get in this argument about what's conservative, what's liberal. I, we're, we're speaking in broad terms here. That's a different show. Uh, so I'm, that's the reason I'm responding there and not out loud, because it's not really what we're talking about. If you, yeah. at, if you at home are sitting there going, man, I sure need a raise, or you're at home going, man, I ain't giving nobody a raise. They better earn it. They're going to have to fight for it. It's one every man for himself out here. I want to hear both sides of that story in our emails this week. And uh, I mean, yeah. And by the way, as for the fight for 15, I'm all for people unionizing. I'm a little less, I'm a little more shaky on raising the minimum wage to 15. I think that that is, it would certainly prevent a federal minimum wage law for $15 an hour would certainly delay when I would be able to hire somebody full time in my, in my career. And I think that, Working with me would be a cool thing. I, yeah. I mean, I would hope, you know, that that there would that would be a a, a cool job to have. Uh, I will say this: I'm for unionizing if it makes sense. But again, unions are another thing where everybody just gets for or against, and it's like they're an organization like anything else. They can be corrupt. They can be bad. They can make just because you're collectively bargaining doesn't mean you're doing it well. And unions should be criticized if they do it poorly. Unions should be criticized if it leads their members astray. Yeah. Like, we don't talk about it. We talk about, ah, you're anti-union. You're pro-union. It's just so silly. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, too it so it's too binary. It's too yeah. binary. For, for, for the, the fast food workers, I would say that is, and this is just my armchair economics, man, is that a, that's a dangerous hill to climb when i can order everything on an app and <laughs> a lot of those food prep things can be more and more uh, uh mechanized oh yeah yeah that's just gonna keep coming all line yeah you count count on that that's the thing i know for sure moving forward that that will only increase so we're gonna have to grapple with what that means for people at some point and it could be across the board dude i hold no illusions to the idea that in 50 years or less they will figure out a way. Maybe I'll, I'll be long dead, hopefully, but <laughs> uh, they'll fi- maybe somebody will figure out a way to automate a podcasting personality, a broadcasting t- whoever you want, whatever you want to label you want to give it, that is completely driven by AI and is a hundred percent beloved by its fans, and it doesn't matter that it's not a real person. That could happen. I'm not saying it'll sure. happen in my lifetime, but my point is, I don't think anybody's safe from progress. So. You got to work within those constraints. You got to figure out ways to deal with stuff. Maybe, you know what? What if, what about this? Yeah. (laughs) Never going to happen. But what if they said, all right, McDonald's, Starbucks, Burger King, KFC, come here for a minute. And they all get into a big room and they go, we're doing the minimum wage increase to 15, but we're only doing it to you guys because you make billions and you're paying employees nothing. So, relatively speaking. So we're going to, we're going to make a law that says you guys in this category have to pay this much and it's $15 an hour for your, for your, for your workers. It's never going to happen, 
But why not that? So you want you want government to be picking who has to pay more than everybody else? I mean, it makes sense. You are very, very excited about our government right now. You oftentimes take to Twitter to talk about how smart and wise our government is. Yeah, I love them. They're so great and handle things so, so well. It stands to reason that, yes, they should be the ones deciding the winners and losers. <laughs> no, I don't think that at all. That's the problem, right? Like, again, the idea the, the idea feels like it has a little bit of merit in my head, but application is busted. There's just no way it works. So I don't know the answer. Like, if you came to this episode going, oh, we're going to figure out minimum wage for sure. Uh-uh. I mean, you shouldn't feel that way about any of our episodes, really, because it's more about the conversation and less about solving it. But I don't have, I don't have a good answer. It's bad. It's just a hard thing. Like, what do you do? So- yeah, real quick. Uh, a Laura man in the chat says minimum wage is not meant to be for cool jobs, Justin. Cool jobs usually have a lot of skilled people who are paid higher wages. Sure, but a federal, and I said a federal law, a federal law or a California state law would include whatever job I would come up with, cool or not. Right. And by the way, care. I would not be hiring for a cool thing. I'd be doing the dumb stuff I don't like to do, like, you know, building action news expansions. <laughs> You need a fourth. Even that, even that, I could theoretically have gotten a task rabbit. I could have gotten somebody to do, yeah, you know, just just this kind of grunt work and not paid anything. You would have paid a lot less because you'd only need it when you need it. It's not yep. a thing you got to file a bunch of tax info for. Like it's all the stuff that you would avoid. Like that's why that stuff is going to get. It brings up another unintended consequence. Yeah. If having full time employees is not all that good, then if you're building a new business. Like, let's say maybe any of the businesses that have become really successful over the past five years, they are all gig companies. Yep. They are all, they don't have a single, unless you're working at the headquarters, you're not an employee of Uber. Nope. You're not an employee of Lyft. Nope. That's exactly right. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's it. We're heading toward a weird future, man. That's that I know. Like, I don't know how to fix it right now, but the future is freaking weird. Just a big throbbing flesh ball of nightmarish scenarios, in my opinion. It's going to be real hard to figure that stuff out. We'll figure it out. We'll navigate it. Humans survive. We'll persevere. So but increase corporate taxes. So, Scott, are you? You'd be really excited that you get taxed more as a corporation. That's already happening. Well, I have less because of this wonderful tax break, quote unquote break that got pushed through Congress like a giant turd through a ratty colon. Uh, I, there are less things I can claim. I'm already going to have to pay more in taxes. So I'm already there. It's just how it is. Boom. Gotcha. Boom. Gotcha. Finally. Finally. Finally you're going to it's the rich more. <laughs> That'll teach you. That's right. Uh, so there you go, everybody. Thanks for being here and joining us and having, uh, this, this fun conversation about economic uh, theory about minimum wage. If you'd like to submit a uh, conversation and comments and questions, there are two ways to do it now. You can send us an email, unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. That's the preferred way. Do that. If you're on the website, though, and you see that contact link, that's okay, too. Those all get forwarded to the same place, so you can hit that. We just don't want to stop you from talking. We want to get your feedback. We want to hear what you have to say. So send us in your thoughts about minimum wage and why you think it's great or busted or where it's at or what you think we're wrong about on today's show. Uh, Justin, anything else before we go? Yeah, uh, if you are in San Diego or Los Angeles, uh, Brian Brushwood and I are bringing the Night Attack show to Southern California this weekend. On Saturday, we're in San Diego, and on Sunday, we are in Los Angeles. Go get tickets. This is a 
show that if you don't know Night Attack, don't worry. It's not layered with, with inside jokes and references. We are going back into the rich world of Web 1.0. All the hamster dances and Cindy Margolis's of the world. We're going to be talking all about that. Uh, it's called Best of the Worst of the Internet. You can get your tickets right now. Nightattack.tv slash tour. Very nice. Go check that out. Also, if you are interested in following progress on the playing cards that I'm making, you can do that over at frogpants.com. I got a big update coming. I just finished the last face card of the initial deck. Uh, put that art up yesterday for preview, and it is done. Uh, so pretty quick here. I'm getting a sample deck to make sure everything's good on quality and everything else. And then, bam, we're going to start fulfilling this bastard. So, anyway, if you back that project or are curious about it at all, keep your eye out on frogpants.com for updates. Our website can be found over at frogpants.com slash unfriendme. And, of course, unfriendmeshow at gmail.com is the email address to use. And keep that phone number handy if you know what's good for you, which is 801-285-9395. Justin, I think that's it. We've left an impact. We've done it. Thank you all for listening. We hope you have a fantastic week. We'll be back next Tuesday at the normal time for another Unfriend Me. What's our topic? Do we know yet? Oh, crap. Uh, Yes, Scott, of course. Abortion. Oh, no. We are going to be debating school uniforms. Oh, (laughs) I got good stories about that. School uniforms and dress code. That's the next. Unfriend me. And if you have some pre-thoughts about that, you can email those as well. It's going to do it for us, for me, for Justin, and for all of you. We'll see you next time, unfriends. Yeah. Unfriends. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)